Which sets it a little bit to the left. 11 yards shy of the record. Williams breaks a hole. Williams had a record book. Ricky Williams runs to the Hall of Fame. Touchback. Ricky Williams touchdown. Young from the shotgun. Back to throw. Vince looks. Under pressure. He'll tuck it in run. Vince to the five. Young. Touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hello and welcome into a well-overdue edition of the Longhorns Country Podcast. My name is Matt Galatson and I will be your host. And today I'm joined by my good friend and my co-host, John Garcia. John, it has been a while. We took we took a little time off for the holidays and to, uh, you know, had, had, had a lot going on. So uh, how's it going? It's going good. You know, uh, less than 48 hours until we see where all of the dust settles in recruiting. But of course, uh, a lot of big time fireworks went down over the weekend and already on Monday. So it's, it's going to be a frantic finish, but it's going to be a good one for Texas. And obviously uh, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, this is sort of your, uh, your season. This is, this is what you live for. This is, this is what the Garcia machine does. You are a recruiting machine. Uh, how do you adjust to these 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 crazy kind of weeks? Because I mean, early signing days on Wednesday, we had a whole bunch of kids, really important kids, making commitments. How do you balance all that? It's a it's a trial and error task through time management. Really, uh, preview as much stuff as you can, uh, be ready for sort of the unexpected along the way, and really just budget out. Uh, as much time as you can to deal with all of it. Um, Wednesday will be a marathon. There's no doubt about it. We have to cover the news, uh, rank all the classes, crown a champion, everything in between. So it's about pre-planning. So those classes that are close to finish, we appreciate them a little bit more than the ones that still have a long way to go because uh, we'll have to wait to the last minute to find out just how high some of these schools will be ranked. But yeah, it's just trial and error trying to plan ahead as, as much as possible. But with, with teenagers, that is uh, not always the simplest of tasks. Yeah. I bet, especially when you've got kids like uh, Harold Perkins and Evan Stewart and those kind of guys who, who really just enjoy the process and uh, the whole, the whole show that goes along with it. So, uh, you know, prayers out to you, man. I'm sure you're going to have a hell of a week. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, let's just let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Obviously, Texas had a huge weekend this weekend. Uh, they filled a couple of desperate needs. Um, you know, one of those being the headliner. Obviously, well, I mean, honestly, they're all kind of headliners. But this is the 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 real big one because it comes at the most important position on the field. Quinn Ewers, the former Texas commit, former Ohio State quarterback, now is transferring to Texas. Made the decision yesterday. Um, and he probably comes in and is Texas's new QB one right off the bat. Um, obviously, obviously he'll have to earn the job. Uh, Sark's not just going to give it to him, but, uh, if, if his talent is any indication, uh, I don't think he really will have much of an issue beating out Hudson card or Casey Thompson. You know, they're, they're both very talented, very good players, but Ewers was ranked as high as he was for a reason. And uh, the Longhorns should be very excited about what they're getting. You know, he's 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 has the potential to be a very special player. He's going to make a ton of money through NIL deals, too. So he's going to be very happy. T- tell us about Ewers and what all this means. You mean a ton of more money, of course. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Quinn Ewers is, is killing it right now uh, at, at the bank. But 
when it comes to quarterback, I mean, he's just got a special arm. Sometimes we say that casually, um, and sometimes we see a Quinn Ewers, and it's really not hard to scout. Uh, the ball jumps off of his hand uh, in a different way. You know, he's he's compared to fellow Texan Matt Stafford by many, and you could see it, right? Big physical kid, multi-sport athlete, good athlete, but really it's about that right arm, that trigger is absolutely special and it's a unique situation, right? We haven't seen him play for real in over a year. We're talking about the the Texas high school state title game last December against Austin Westlake and, and Cade Klubnick. That's really the last time we saw Quinn Ewers. And even then he wasn't healthy. So we got to see him in the off season, get healthy, get back in action. And you saw the arm talent. It really never left despite some really tough injuries to work through. And then of course he reclassifies, goes to Ohio state and is buried on, on a really deep, probably the deepest along with Georgia quarterback room in college football. And he skips his senior year in the process. So uh, he's really a unique in a unique place for a kid who is like you said, so, highly coveted. Usually those guys are never sitting no matter where they go, but this was a unique situation. So on top of the talent, on top of him coming back home, on top of the familiarity with Texas, there's also going to be a, a chip on his shoulder on top of it, in my mind. So it, it really brings a unique perspective to that quarterback room, regardless of who's there, as you mentioned, uh, in the spring, I expect it to be um, very much highly anticipated, a lot of eyeballs on Austin, just like always, but this time with, with a heck of a wrinkle with a quarterback like this. I would venture to say that Texas hasn't had a quarterback this talented in a very, very long time, just from a pure physical perspective that's not even getting into what he might have picked up in, in that ryan day quarterback room for the last you know five months or so um obviously ohio state really complex offense a very fast-paced offense an open offense very similar to steve sarkeesian so i think that's fascinating when, when you look into it so there's a lot to like about this move for texas and i think there's a lot of, of, to like about this move for quinn ewers uh the chance to be that guy i think the stage will be massive for whoever is QB one at Texas at all times, but for him, it's going to, it's going to feel bigger. It's going to feel bigger than Ellinger. It's going to feel bigger than most uh, there in Austin because everybody's waiting for Texas to be back. And I think Quinn has that mentality to where he can handle that. And that is not something I say lightly, you know, he has a confidence about him and he also has kind of a disregard for public opinion about him that you need as a quarterback. So I think this is going to be one of the most fascinating stories of the year. And obviously a huge pickup for Steve Sarkeesian on the recruiting trail through the transfer portal. We, we've seen this play out every year, but this is the crazy year. And, and to tell you how much Quinn was coveted by Texas, Texas Tech and others, TCU was in there for a little bit. This is really the beginning of the quarterback portal dominoes. I mean, Spencer Rattler's in there. Adrian Martinez is in there. Doug Gabriel's in there, or Dylan Gabriel's in there. So many experienced, big-time, older names. But it was Quinn Ewers' decision that has now started the quarterback dominoes. Bo Nix is in there now. Zach Calzada's in the portal now. Keaton Slovis is in the portal now. He was QB1 in the who is the most coveted transfer quarterback rankings, if that makes sense. So now that his decision's out of the way, the rest of, of that market looking for a quarterback can move on. So 
don't listen to what I say about Quinn. Listen to what the colleges are physically doing and how they handle the, the transfer market based on where Quinn is going. So he set that that precedent, and now the dominoes are going to roll here for everybody else. Yeah, no, you, you you talk about dominoes, and it's not just in the transfer portal where there might be some dominoes. There, there's been a lot of questions surrounding now, you know, now Ewers is committed to Texas. Who could he potentially bring with him? Um, there has been, you know, rumblings that he, he could bring a receiver to with him. Do you have any ideas as to who those receivers might be? And if there's one guy in particular that a lot of people have been asking about, uh, his name is Evan Stewart. Everybody might've heard of him. He has a, 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 a pretty good connection with viewers that, you know, he, he has a big admiration for his talent, their friends. Um, and there, there has been whispers of him starting to look elsewhere, you know, in the sense that Ewers' decision will have an impact on him. That doesn't mean he's going to leave a and I'm not saying that or anything like that, but it at least piques his interest a little bit. Um, what are you hearing in that arena? Matt, so many eyes are going to be on Evan Stewart come Wednesday, because even before he committed to AM, and, and look, AM's momentum since November has been the best in the country. I think Texas is starting to chip away at that a little bit, and we'll see over the next few days. But even before he committed to AM, there was a, a lot of movement in his recruitment, right? Alabama was shooting their shot, LSU before their coaching change. Obviously, Texas was always in the game, considering that's that was his initial commitment. Florida had buzz early in the fall. So Evan was already contemplating living at and working through different programs, different locations, different coaching staffs all of those things. So he was already formulating all of those while he sat out the back half of his senior year of high school. And if there's two things I know is that, especially in Texas, in the, in the big metro areas, so obviously Quinn, Dallas, Houston, where, where Evan's closer to, all, all of that, um, there, is, there is a connection of uh, like perspective with these kids, with the trainers, with the seven-on coaches, with all the folks who are kind of in between recruit and recruiter in college football, there is a perceptional ideal that they want to follow. And typically a high influence kid wants to play with another high influence kid. And when you look at this class of 2022, from a tangible standpoint, Evan Stewart is the most marketable kid in the class based on social media, right? However many million TikTok followers, 500,000 Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Quinn Ewers is probably number two or close thereafter. So if you talk about NIL and, and business, which really, again, it's going to piss people off who listen to this, who want, you know, the purity of the game and, you know, amateurism, all that crap. Uh, it's going to piss those people off, but that is important. That is truly happening right now. These kids are going on visits and getting educated on NIL as much as they're getting educated on scheme and position fit. So when you start looking at those things, I think that's going to matter. Couple that with what Xavier Worthy just did from a on-field perspective and from an NIL perspective, and those numbers keep going up on his own end at that position. I think those sales, sales that pitch becomes a little bit bigger for Texas here at the 11th hour. Uh, the, two, the two quarterbacks I know he was close to, are, are Quinn Ewers and, and Nick Evers. Evers is, is off the board to Oklahoma. I don't think Stewart's really considered them in a very long time. So if a move is going to be made away from AM, Texas now becomes the clear top threat 
to the Aggies uh, if he is going to make a change. So, so we'll have to see. AM has done the opposite with the wide receiver position. It has not been explosive. It has not been productive. And the sell to Evan was come help us get away from that perception. Come help us turn it around and change. As opposed to where Texas, it's like, hey, come pair with this guy and you'll never be doubled. At least early on, you'll never be doubled. And we can roll from there. Oh, by the way, we just got this generational arm to come in and he's going to have the same eligibility as you. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out these pitches. So the, the domino of people wanting to play with viewers will be big. And it absolutely starts with Stewart. Yeah. And, and he's a special talent. We've talked a lot about him on this pod. Um, and he has a potential to, to really change an offense, no matter where he goes. Um, obviously Texas is in a unique position that AM is not currently in with having worthy and, and having these now incoming offensive line commits, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but AM also does have Connor Weigman on their side. And I know he's, he's not the arm talent that, that yours is. I don't really think there, there is one in that, in what was, you know, he, obviously he was part of the 2022 class. There, there isn't a better arm in that group of players Correct. than yours. Um, you know, you, you had, uh, Cade Klumnik ranked number one. It wasn't because he had a better arm than Quinn yours. There was other reasons for that. Um, and listen, AM's going to be in a good spot, no matter if, if you were, if, uh, sorry, if, if Stewart stays or not. They, they have a lot of incoming talent. They have one of the best recruiting classes in recent memory right now for them, you know, coming in with Walter Nolan and, and, and all those guys. So they're going to be okay no matter what Stewart does. Uh, but they do, I think they do need to be on watch a little bit. I, I don't, I don't know how big the threat te- of a threat Texas is at the moment, but they definitely are the biggest threat, like you said. And uh, that'll be an interesting battle to watch over the next couple of days. But maybe I don't. It's not as big of a news as yours. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. But it's some pretty damn big news. And, and that is the uh, what we'll talk about here next is the commitment of Kelvin Banks. Um, this was a, a thing that we were tracking all the way back to when we were in Los Angeles for Elite Eleven together. Yep. And you know. Banks made his initial commitment to Oregon, and we were sitting there trying to think, like, I don't know where he's going to go. I have a story written for Texas, but I also have one written for AM. Well, you know, I've, I've got one for Oregon. And it ended, it ended up being Oregon. And then um, not 24 hours later, I believe, Cam Williams did, did the same uh, did the same, and, and, and went to Oregon with Mario Cristobal. But both guys decommitted, and then Texas went all in on, on Banks as soon as that happened. I mean, they never really got off of him, but when he decommitted, they went full bore and they, they went after him and they wanted him to make his decision quickly. Um, and for good reason, because they, they are in desperate need of offensive line help and they may have gotten the best one in the country. I, I think he's rated number two for sports illustrated for offensive tackles uh, behind Eliza Pritchett, if I'm not mistaken, but he's pretty close to being number one. And uh, tell us, tell us about Banks. Tell us how he can change the Texas offensive line and what a big deal this is. You know, I wrote about it for for SI National this morning. You know, Texas won the weekend not just because of viewers, but filling really a bigger position of need along the offensive line with with Banks and Williams. And Banks is the class of the position, really nationally. I, I think 
You know, you you brought up Ewers versus Klubnik at quarterback. Well, Ewers is the high ceiling guy. Klubnik is the high floor guy. And we went with the high floor guy because it's quarterback, decision-making, experience, all of that. Banks versus Pritchett is the opposite. Pritchett is the ceiling guy. Banks is the floor guy. We went with Pritchett because of the long-term play and how the game has moved uh, in terms of spread offenses. Banks is ready to go right now. If we if we had the same thought process at every position, Banks would be the number one offensive tackle in the country. And he may still end up there when we finalize in January. I really want to see Banks uh, work at the All-American game later uh, in December into January. But before that point, this is a polished, legitimate blindside protector. And there's only about four or five in this entire class. And really, Banks is where that conversation begins from a polished standpoint. 6'5", 310 or so right now. Just comfortable in his pass sets. A great run blocker like you would expect a big physical Texan to be coming out of high school. Look, you know, Mario Cristobal... That Oregon philosophy started in the trenches on offense. We all know Mario's history as an offensive lineman himself. And this was really his guy in this whole class, I would say, that was was the first true priority. And he got him, but obviously things change in recruiting. And uh, he went to Miami, and that really opened the door for Texas and Texas A&M. And Banks had started to look around really over the last month or so. Uh, but really, Texas was always the school for him. That was always kind of the default, the dream school, whatever you want to put on top of it. He just almost needed a reason to not go to Texas. And as the cycle went on, those reasons be, you know, became less and less until he actually committed uh, on Saturday. So this is a special prospect. This is another kid who has a gravitational pull like Quinn Ewers in terms of influencing others in terms of kids wanting to play with him and this was a big win for Texas not only in filling that positional need but head-to-head we just talked about AM is going to have you know the best class they've ever had in the recruiting in the internet recruiting era they're going to have the best class maybe in the country before all is said and done so any head-to-head win with AM is a very very big deal especially coming off of that five and seven season it shows you the power of Texas, the branding and the momentum, how it could be truly real on the recruiting trail. And it's a Texan on top of that. So it's a, it's a, like another point of emphasis. It's another asterisk or feather in the cap in that Kelvin Banks recruitment. So this is a huge deal. Definitely the class headliner for Texas. If you don't count Quinn Ewers uh, and they would have been ranked around the same nationally. If Ewers was still in that class of 2022 Banks is just outside the top 10. Uh, it, it would have been a conversation to be had for January. So uh, Quinn Ewers aside, Banks is the new Texas class headliner, and you're seeing consistency in the trenches and a class that's built from the inside out. And, and Texas fans, that's what you want. That's what you want to hear. The offense, the production, throwing the ball, all that's going to come with Sark, right? Almost regardless of personnel, you want to see, especially as you transition to the SEC, you want to see production and talent ready to go right now up front. And Banks is about as good as, as anyone could have hoped for for UT. Yeah, and and right along with him, just like he did over the summer with Oregon, um, <coughs> Cam Williams, big, big dude out of, out of Duncanville, also committed to the Longhorns on Sunday. Um, he's obviously a very different type player than Banks, but tell us a little bit about Williams' uh, pretty quickly and then we'll shift to Kobe McKenzie before we close this thing out. 
Yeah, Cam Williams bigger, a little bit better, I would say, right now at the point of attack than, than uh, Banks. Probably more of a right tackle. If, if Banks is your left tackle, Cam's more of your right tackle. I think he's got a guard floor, worst case scenario. So you see a lot of Kyle Flood in particular at Bama. He would he would work tackles inside first, and then as they get older start to bump them out. You know, he, he went through several first rounders at Alabama doing that same thing. I could see Cameron Williams being that guy who starts inside and then bumps outside as he gets a little bit older, a little bit more experience. But another centerpiece in the plan to rebuild from the inside out and, and, and look, you know, six, six, three, what, 350 plus, right? You can't, you can't really say much about that in terms of against it you know people are either that big or they're not you can't teach it his footwork is a little more swift than you would expect at that size but really he's a point of attack player who I think can play multiple spots on the offensive line and that's another important element in building any good team because we know attrition injuries um, you know roster fluctuation all of that is important at every power five school these days just look at the transfer portal so another big asset to texas and another guy who we thought was leaving the state that that texas was able to bring back to the state so banks ewers and williams as of a couple of weeks ago all guys that left the lone star state in texas has now reeled all of them quote unquote back home yeah and uh obviously two very big positions of need quarterback and offensive line, and they might not be done along the offensive line either. There's a couple of guys left on the board. Uh, Malik Ogbo, Ernest Green. The big one right now is Devin Campbell. Um, also Cam Dewberry to an extent, but he seems like an A&M lock at this point. Um, what are you seeing over these last couple of days with, with these guys? I, I, I know that, Campbell's probably not committing until an all-star game later, but um, what, what do you see going on with those guys? I think you're right about the feel, right? Campbell, in-state kid, uh, a little bit more likely to join this class relative to Ernest Green and, and Cam Dewberry, but all still uncommitted at this point. Ernest Green's been all over the place. Like early on, we thought this was kind of a Texas-Georgia deal. Ohio State got involved. And then here at the last minute, Alabama has really pushed. I think they got the last visit with him. So uh, that one can go pretty much either way. And I agree, agree with you with Dewberry. It, it looks like AM is in really good shape right now, especially ironically losing out on, on Kelvin Banks. That may help them with a uh, Cam Dewberry uh, in terms of a profile standpoint. But, but Campbell, depending on when he wants to announce, is going to be the next big domino on the offensive line. Uh, this is very, very polished offensive line football talking about Devin Cannell not not as long as Banks or, or even Dewberry some of these other guys on the list but the footwork the body control the movement skills are so critically on point with Campbell probably not long enough to play tackle but if he can snap the ball and play center or even guard he's going to impact your run game day one and he's athletic enough to build into a strong pass protector along the way so now as, as we talk about these different O-linemen Matt they all complement one another, right? Banks is your blindside protector. Williams is your, your frontside protector, maybe a run-dominant guard. Campbell can move on the interior, left or right. Now you're building an entire offensive line, which was kind of the old-school rule in the SEC. Bring in an entire offensive line. Bring in an entire defensive line. 
always bring in a quarterback and then go with your needs after that. So again, this is a top 10 class threatening the top five as we keep talking about it. And now you're seeing complementary recruiting, which is really important in roster building and development. You need guys who can work together and you need to stack those classes accordingly. So this is this is absolutely the direction, again, you want to go in if you're Texas. If you can just grab one more O-lineman, I think you're in good shape. I think Ernest Green and Ogbo are, are kind of all over the place. I could see it going every which way. I think Dewberry's probably leaning AM and I think Campbell's probably leaning Texas. But if you could just grab one of the four, you're in really good shape. And I think Texas will before all is said and done come the February signing day here in a few weeks. Yeah, and I know you only got a couple minutes here left before you have to jump to another show and and, and flex your big recruiting brain. But real quick before we get out of here, Texas also lost a commitment uh, this morning. Um, you know, Kobe McKenzie, linebacker. He was committed to Oklahoma, flipped to Texas. Well, first he was actually committed to Texas Tech. Right. And then he then he was committed to Oklahoma. Then he flipped to Texas, and now he's back with Oklahoma. Um, what kind of impact does this have for Texas? And uh, how does that linebacker position kind of flex out going forward? Well, we know there's another linebacker target that would make Texas – no disrespect to Kobe. It would make Texas fans probably forget that even happened uh, with, with – Harold Perkins still on the board, uh, AM, Texas, LSU, the schools uh, really still in it for Perkins, but LSU's coaching change kind of makes this more of an AM versus Texas battle. So intrigued to see how that plays out. But look, you know, when you miss out on an in-state kid who you thought was, was kind of done, it does hurt. It does kind of set back the recruiting board a little bit because there was really minimal indication when Brent Venables took the job at Oklahoma that McKenzie was starting to think about flipping back to Oklahoma, especially since, you know, Lincoln Riley took Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator with him to Los Angeles. But look, it's, it's recruiting, right? We, we talked about the, the ability to pull a kid away from a rival in addition to keeping him in state. Well, Oklahoma's starting to feel that way too. And they're going to pick up their own momentum now with Venables with Jeff Levy. And they've, they've now picked up some commitments on Monday to start the week. But like you said, I mean, he was already committed to Oklahoma. So that part of it was already familiar. Kind of like we said about yours, you know, that part of it was familiar. It was just about the new staff. And when you, when you are recruited by a defensive head coach who then has history at that program on top of it. And obviously Clemson has been rolling on that side of the ball. So his track record is his current track record is right there with Saban and Kirby smart and Mike Elko in terms of recruiting well, developing, sending them off to the NFL, you can, you can understand it. The same reason why you can understand why Ewers opted for Sark over others. You can understand the fit when you start to think about that compared to the familiarity with campus and all of those things. So it's still a big deal in recruiting uh, when anybody flips from arrival or to arrival within 48 hours of signing day. And it, and it is with McKenzie. I think, if you lose out on Harold Perkins, it stings a, a little bit more. And obviously, if you grab him, it stings a little bit less. And Perkins, we all know, has, has made his way to Austin and to College Station well more than any other school uh, on his list. So the same kind of thing applies here. The cell sells itself. It, it's really built in its own package. Like, hey, these were the issues with Texas. These are the issues we need you to help fix. And, and that front seven was absolutely an issue in 2020. So Perkins, 
I think wherever he goes, he'll he'll make some waves in 2022, but especially if he goes to Texas. And playing time is still a big deal for these kids. So linebacker fluidity, definitely an issue for Texas, but there is certainly some silver lining, at least as far as we can tell on a Monday. Yeah, and obviously the good news for Texas there is Perkins is not making his decision until the Under Armour All-American game in January. So he's not signing on Wednesday, which gives him a little bit of extra time. Well, unless he silently signs, which would be fun. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, regular signing day is still not till February. So uh, they 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 on paper they have some time. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But John, I'm not going to keep you any longer because I know you got to get to your 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 next thing here. So uh, prayers to you on your busy week. I, I don't envy everything that you have to do this week, but uh, you know, good luck and, and Godspeed. Um, And that's going to do it for another episode of the Longhorns Country Podcast. Uh, Stay tuned with us this week as we kind of, if you know, we're going to break, bring you all the news for for uh, the early signing period on Wednesday. We're going to, you know, we're going to grind. We're going to keep it, keep you up to date as best we can. But just bear with us because uh, it's going to be a wild week. But go check out LonghornsCountry.com, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, sir. We'll be back. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye. Bye.